Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 75th episode, and I'm here ahead of the United States Grand Prix. This milestone episode previews a paddock favorite on the F1 calendar. But before we get to the action in Austin, first, a quick reminder to check out the link tree in the description. It has links to pages like all the platforms you can find this podcast, my YouTube channel, Break Bias Twitter, and TikTok. It has my email address if you'd like to contact me, as well as my personal Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Now, let's talk about the weekend coming up at the Circuit of the Americas. Well, this U.S. Grand Prix will kick off the America's triple header, which kind of feels like uh, it's a bit of a blitz before this uh, two-part F1 finale that we're going to get uh, in Vegas and then Abu Dhabi. And to be honest, as much as I don't really care for the Mexican Grand Prix much, this is always just a fantastic three-race stretch. Um, You know, I'm a little bit biased because this is the time of year where I always get some races that are at good times for myself, you know, middle of the afternoon, it's what the Europeans get basically all season long. And then finally, for someone who lives in the Eastern time zone, we just have races at great times, basically from like noon to four, F1 is just in your afternoon, and it is great. But not only does this leg have, you know, amazing tracks, it's also just great vibes. And I think Everyone across the world can agree with that. Um, The reason I love Coda is that I just think, you know, it has a variety of amazing qualities, which I mean, I guess is what makes any track great. But, you know, it just has it has sections of the racetrack that you can just picture in your head because, well, they're iconic. You know, uh, the fast S's section is brilliant. Turn one is amazing. Um, I love the, uh, really long right hander in the final sector. It's all brilliant. Um, it has overtaking opportunities. Uh, it's a fun quality track with some great flowing bits as well. Um, so, you know, not to mention the 400,000 American fans that we had last year. And I think it's even more expected this year. Um, you know, who are, these fans are increasingly passionate about F1. I, I honestly think, since Miami joined, you know, the schedule, the teams have been saying that Coda now kind of feels like the race in the States for the average F1 fan because, you know, while Miami and presumably Vegas as well, it's all about the glitz and the glamour, the celebrities uh, flood the uh, the track before the race. And, you know, let's be honest, Miami and Vegas will most definitely have this. It's just a whole ton of American excess, you know what I mean? So, Coda just seems like it's more about the vibes and more about the racing, and that's why I think the average F1 fan actually appreciates it more, not to mention it is just a phenomenal track that always seems to create some great racing. You know, in 2021, we had a fantastic little battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. It was so close for Lewis Hamilton. He almost got, did I say 2021? Sorry, I meant 2022, last year, of course. 2021 was also an amazing American Grand Prix between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen as well. Um, One of Max Verstappen's most underrated performances ever, I think, was the 2021 U.S. Grand Prix. But anyway, 2022 was also great between those two. Um, And I think, you know, in in 2022, it proves that we can have an amazing Grand Prix with Max Verstappen winning. You know, I'm... 
I've said I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan, which usually by default means that I'm not necessarily a, a, a big Max Verstappen fan. But as I've said many times in this podcast, I believe he is the best driver in Formula One. He is a phenomenal talent. He's a, he's a living all-time great. Um, however, uh, <laughs> I would rather see someone else win, especially when he's won so often recently. But regardless of that, we can still have good Grand Prix with him ending up as the eventual winner. It doesn't have to be someone else. But, you know, that's why next year Max can become a four-time champion even. Um, as long as another team or driver is just in the mix for wins is all I think the F1 uh, fandom is asking for. Um, however, let's 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 talk about last year's Grand Prix, as we always do in the preview. Signs actually started this race on pole. Um, most people probably forget that because he led the race for all of one straight, not even one corner, because he got swallowed up into turn one, and then George Russell punted him right into the side of his Ferrari. Signs was out of the race just like that. So tragedy for Signs, who had a really tough season last year, and uh, George Russell also compromised his race, getting a five-second penalty there. Hamilton was given the lead later in the race because of a nightmare pit stop for Max Verstappen. I want to say it was 10, 11 seconds. He was pretty angry with his crew at the time, but Supermax was incredibly rapid. And once he was in that Mercedes DRS range, he just breezed by at a rate of knots. Everyone was talking about the Red Bull straight line speed at the time, and Mercedes was extremely draggy, which I mean, I think is still kind of a thing this year. It just seems like it's less of a topic, the straight line speed this year. Um, but anyway, that's what happened. Uh, Max was clawing the lead back ever so slowly, but he was doing it kind of at a consistent rate. But as soon as he was within one second, it was over. Like it, it, Lewis didn't even defend. Um, and some people criticized him for that. But at the end of the day, I think he, maybe he could have held on for another lap. But so what? His tires absolutely fell off in the end as well. Uh, so he uh, ended up losing by over five seconds, which was kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, that race also had a pretty wild moment between current Aston Martin teammates, uh, Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll, of course. Alonso was airborne in his Alpine on the back straight as he came into the back of Stroll. People called it a pretty dangerous move from Stroll, moving over to the left a little bit late, but Alonso still came home to score in the points. It was all very contentious because he didn't have his uh, his mirror attached on properly, and Haas had the black and orange flag like three times that season, and they are like, okay, if you're going to keep you know, waving it for us, and you're not even going to use it when a team doesn't even have one of their wing mirrors. It's like, so they, they protested the race. Uh, Fernando was disqualified, but then he was later reinstated, much to the uh, disdain of the Haas team. Um, but yeah, so pretty much the only impressive piece of reliability from uh, the French uh, unit last year, that's for sure. Um, also, the very end of the race, Probably some of you forget this as well, but we had a fantastic battle for, I think, P8 and P9, maybe P9, P10 between Sebastian Vettel and Kevin Magnussen. Just some very old school, aggressive racing. It was pretty awesome. Uh, so if you uh, want to see some of that, of course, it's it's on F1 Highlights on YouTube. So uh, great stuff right there. Uh, this year is also a sprint race, of course, uh, part of this weird three race or four race stretch with three sprint races we just had the one in qatar we have one in coda 
Then next weekend or the weekend after, I guess I should, I should say, uh, the Mexican Grand Prix, no sprint there. But then the following weekend, because, of course, this is a triple header, we have another sprint race in Brazil where it seems like the sprint race is just going to live in Brazil. And nobody is complaining because Interlagos has just continually produced all-time events uh, with the sprint, of course. Mercedes being uh, the victors in both of those, and probably why I like them even more than the average fan, but come on. I mean, 2021 Brazil was an absolute spectacle, um, and then 2022 uh, Brazilian Grand Prix, George Russell's first win, uh, great stuff there as well. Um, but I am surprised that it's taking, you know, two and a half seasons to get a sprint in the States. It just seems like the sprints were built for the United States fans, yet this is the first one that'll ever be in the U.S., and I feel like it's a great place for one, yet we've got one in Imola. I mean, come on, Formula One. I, I'm i still very critical of that decision, um, but anyway, I have a feeling that we could be in for an absolute banger weekend. I mean, when you think of a track that deserves a sprint, I mean, I don't know. Like, what do you think of? I personally think Interlagos makes perfect sense. I would think of just basically the best tracks in Formula One where there's a lot of overtaking. Like, there's great old school racing at Silverstone. I think it would be great for a sprint. I just feel like they maybe keep the sprint out of Silverstone because it is one of their most successful events regardless of it. So I don't think they need the extra viewership. It's kind of maybe my thinking. I don't know what their criteria is for the uh, sprint weekend. So anyway, it seems like it was a no-brainer to finally bring it to uh, Coda. Wouldn't be surprised if Vegas goes well this year, that it gets a sprint next season potentially unless those have already been announced and I just don't even know about it but anyway let's get to my predictions shall we for qualifying I feel like the variety of corner types uh, at Coda you know like the first the first sector is I think mostly known for its fast bits you know corner one isn't necessarily a high speed corner but then basically as you go down the hill to turn two and then you know all the way through the S's and up the hill. Uh, I believe that's the entire first sector. Maybe it's right before you go up the hill is when the first sector ends, to be honest. I'm just trying to think of the F1 game. Um, but anyway, doesn't matter. Sector one, mostly a, a fast section. Um, so I imagine, you know, McLaren could be a team that's like right just as fast as Red Bull there, but Red Bull's, of course, going to be up there. And then they go down the hill, take that left-hand turn onto the back straight, and that is where I imagine Red Bull, just because of their efficiency, they're going to be able to maybe carry a little bit less downforce, still go as fast as McLaren in sector one, but then, you know, just in a breeze away on that back straight. And then we get into some slow speed corners before the long right-hander. I imagine Mercedes will be good through there, but of course, Red Bull's going to be close or on par. So it's just because there's so many different uh, demands the circuit uh, brings, I don't think, you know, it's uh, one type of corner over and over that, you know, favors the McLaren or favors the Ferrari or the Red Bull. Um, so I'm just going to say I think this is a uh, Red Bull track for sure. I don't think there's going to be a really close competitor. Um, but I do think if I had to pick anyone, I still think it's the McLarens uh, up at the sharp end for qualifying. But yeah, like I said, not really challenging Max in quali. In the sprint, I think it'll be McLaren and Mercedes again. I know it feels like for several weekends in a row now, I've kind of been anti-Ferrari basically ever since uh, 
Italy. I because I, I didn't even think they did well. And they'd be the ones to you know win in Singapore. And meanwhile, they were with with signs, and they were very quick in Singapore. I just I don't know. I feel like Ferrari is there or thereabouts, but they're just they their strengths. They're not. I, I'm like I'm gonna favor Ferrari in Las Vegas, and I think Ferrari is actually gonna do well in Abu Dhabi as well. But I don't think they're gonna do well in Mexico, and I don't think they're gonna do well in Brazil. Like I think this is going to be a tough triple header for them. Um, honestly, I would say this is probably going to be their best track of the three. Um, so I think Ferrari could be competitive, but I just like Mercedes and McLaren here a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I, I think McLaren and Mercedes could do some damage in the sprint you know the drive up the hill to turn one is always great at coda um because of how the corner widens and you can really get a good run up the hill on 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 the guy on pole so someone could definitely you know take the fight to verstappen there granted he does uh finish p1 in the sprint shootout um and you know in a sprint the tires may not play as much of a factor as they would in the grand prix which of course we all know is red bull's you know greatest strength is probably their tire management especially when max verstappen is behind the wheel so maybe in the sprint we could see some you know interesting but i would still take max to win there for the race though i do fully expect another comfortable verstappen win um, but I'll say Lewis Hamilton rebounds, finishes P2 in the race, maybe gets a bit of luck as well on his side. And I'm going to say Russell completes a double Mercedes podium. Yes, I know I've been all about McLaren. I think McLaren is going to be there, thereabouts. Or not, no, not there, thereabouts. They're going to be right up there. I just think Mercedes maybe, uh, you know, bounces back from that nightmare weekend they just had. And, uh, Maybe gets their drivers on a better strategy. They just edge out Lando. Maybe Piastri is a bit of an off weekend, and uh, it's a kind of a two-against-one fight, and they uh, both come out on top. I don't know. It's just a prediction. I do think it's going to be really close between McLaren and Mercedes, and I could definitely see you know, a P2 from Lando again. I'm a bit down on Checo. I uh, don't think this is a track that he does well at, um, but I hope he does because, again... I'm not necessarily a Checo fan. I'm pretty hard on him a lot. But the weekend after is, of course, the Mexican Grand Prix. And everyone is a Checo fan at the Mexico Grand Prix, myself included. So I hope that he does have a good race here so he can, you know, go into Mexico on a high. Um, Because there actually are some rumors that he could be announcing his retirement. They're from very, you know, sketchy sources. So, you know. By no means is that anything close to official, but if that did happen, that would be crazy because that would force Red Bull to name someone alongside Max Verstappen for next year. It would probably be Daniel Ricciardo, which is absolutely bonkers. So keep an eye out for that. If that does happen, I think Formula One would, you know, lose their minds. Lawson would get a seat, of course, in AlphaTauri. So I feel like the decisions would be would be kind of obvious for Red Bull, but it would still be just insanity. So yeah, uh, there's there's me just spreading rumors at this point. Um, and speaking of Daniel Ricciardo, my bold predictions, all signs are pointing toward a return for him this weekend, and I love it because this is a track that he always um, enjoys, or I guess I should say a weekend, because I don't think he's actually had very many great performances in Austin, but yeah, you know, he always gets his cowboy hat out or some sort of uniform, and I feel like he just has the time, you know, rode in on a horse last year, um, just hilarious stuff, so he'll be uh, feeling great, probably with his uh, huge smile in the paddock, so I'll say that he comes back, puts on a huge 
uh, performance, puts on a great show for the fans, and uh, you know has a great drive in the midfield, scores a P10 finish for Alpha Tauri. So now let's go into Brad's bets. All right, well, we have to review my picks from Qatar. It was a bit of a tricky weekend for myself because I think basically something happened that kind of screwed every single one of my bets that I lost, you know, um, except for, well, no, even this one too. I was going to say over 12 seconds winning margin. I think Verstappen could have won by over 12 seconds had it not been for the tire rule. Of course, I gave out this bet well before I knew about this rule that was going to kind of completely change the weekend in Qatar. So that was minus 160. So I, I apologize if you put a lot of money on that. Um, you got kind of screwed over. In fact, I think the sports book should arguably uh, give refunds based on that because it just completely changes the entire, you know, outlook of the of the, the Grand Prix. So yeah, a bit ridiculous. Lando Norris podium, that was the one I was big on. That was minus 160 and that did, of course, cash. Uh, under 17 and a half classified drivers, 17, no, there was, there was, uh, wasn't there under 17 and a half classified drivers, Signs, Hamilton, and, and Sergeant, Sergeant retired. So I did get, why did I write that as I didn't get, get that bet? Yeah. Under 17 and a half classified drivers. There were, there were 17. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know why I wrote a big no next to that. Anyway. Okay. Well, I think that did cash. Max Verstappen was fastest in FP1. I was huge on that one as well. That was one that I told you guys I bet on myself. So that was a, a nice win for us. If you, uh, followed me on that one, if you tailed me, Lando Norris in top three for quality minus 120. I was big on this one as well. That was a painful one because he would have been had it not been for track limits. Fastest car in qualifying to be a McLaren. That was the long shot bet. And of course, Oscar does do it in the sprint shootout, but not the actual qualifying. So more pain there. Um, So, I mean, all of my bets there, pretty decent guesses. Uh, I think we just got a little bit screwed over at times. This week, I have a couple interesting ones. The big one that I really like is George Russell to end up on the podium. Plus 370. Those are some crazy long odds for, I think, a driver that's performing really well right now. A team that I think is going to do well at this track. Um, He has longer odds than his teammate who he is just performing better than at this point right now. So plus 370 for him to be on the podium, especially when Checo is not really a threat at the moment. So basically, he's got to beat his teammate and Oscar Piastri. And of course, if the Ferraris are there, then that adds an extra challenge. But I think he can easily end up on the podium. So plus 370, some great odds there. Then we go into two, I would say, pretty short odds, but I do really like them. Uh, minus 195. Basically, if you can get max, you know, qualifying leader and race winner for less than or better than minus 200 right now i mean it's minus 195 but i think you got to take it just because it's it's very likely to happen and i don't think there is going to be a great challenger in quali and let's be honest he's going to win the race unless something crazy happens um i think max continues to do well in free practice so 
uh, minus 185 there. You're not going to be winning too much money on these bets, but I just think they're extremely likely and they're not like minus 400. They're actually at a, at a, you know, an odds where you can at least win a bit. Um, and then this honestly could be a long shot, but I think the Alfa Romeo showed that they actually had some pretty good pace in Qatar um, with their new upgrades. So I'm going to bank on those, uh, you know, upgrades also performing well in, uh, in Austin and uh, put my faith in Valtteri Bottas to score some points for plus 470. That's again, a big, big payout if you can uh, hit on that. So just throwing that one out there. Maybe it constitutes more as a long shot than it does an actual, uh, um, you know, a bet to give. But throwing it out there. And then the Bet365 uh, exclusive has, they have quality head-to-heads, which I think is a pretty cool thing to be able to bet on. Lewis and George are even odds right now, both minus 120. And I think George is just performing better and qualifying right now. I think he does it again here where he out-qualifies Lewis. So take him for minus 120. And then... We have the actual long shot of the week. A few long odds ones already, though. So let's just get wild here, and let's go with a Lewis Hamilton fastest lap. I think Mercedes will be quick enough, and all it takes really is for Lewis to you know, potentially be out there on the freshest rubber at the end. Could definitely happen, and it's plus 1,600. The only problem is the way that Red Bull has been, you know, using strategy with Max right now is they always have him extending his stints because he's just as fast as everyone else, you know, several laps later. So it's uh, an easy decision to just keep him out the longest, but you never know. Sometimes gaps just come up and it's a no brainer to uh, go on a two stop or um, um, just you know, pit because you have free air and get on some faster rubber. So you never know. It could easily happen. And I think, If Lewis is on the freshest rubber at the end, he is fast enough and his car will be fast enough to be able to at least, you know, do a fastest lap. So, yeah, throwing that one out there just because we're having some fun, right? So that will do it for episode 75 of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back next week to review the U.S. Grand Prix. It's going to be a busy month for your boy, so... Uh, With both championships wrapped up in 2023, I'm just hoping for some entertaining races, uh, some fun podcasts in the next few weeks. And uh, yeah, I think we could get a fun race this weekend at COTA. Goodbye.